When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C O R R Y. J-O-E-L, and also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Um, this time we're going to look at two things, um, Brian Flores' uh, bombshell lawsuit and also Tom Brady's retirement. Yesterday, uh, Tuesday, was a very eventful news day in NFL circles. First, we had um, Tom Brady retire, um, announce it formally, and also... Brian Flores, uh, former Dolphins head coach, filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL and three teams in particular, the Miami Dolphins, uh, Denver Broncos, and New York Giants, on the first day of Black History Month, alleging discriminatory hiring practices. Um, I read all 58 pages of the lawsuit. Figured I should, one, out of curiosity, and two, if I was ever going to talk about it, should be knowledgeable about what he's alleging. I'm not surprised that there is this type of lawsuit, given the lack of black head coaches in the NFL, and that there were three black head coaches when the Rooney Rule started in 2003, and as of now, there are there's just one. I'm surprised that it's uh, Brian Flores being the guy to file the lawsuit. I thought it might be one of the older coaches who wouldn't be potentially committing career suicide because uh, they've been a head coach before and they don't have quite as much to lose as Flores. Um, It's very interesting. He didn't wait for the end of his hiring cycle, and he – is a finalist, or at least was a finalist, for two head coaching jobs that are still available, um, the Saints opening and the Texans opening. Um, there's still five openings uh, still available, and uh, the Dolphins obviously are one. Um, I said Saints and the Texans, the Vikings also have an opening um, is, is, as well, and the Jaguars a job that uh, Shad Khan can't give away. Uh, primarily because of Trent Baalke's presence um, as general manager. Um, Seems like the straw that broke the camel's back for Flores was the uh, text message he got from his former boss, Bill Belichick, congratulating him on getting the Giants job three days before his in-person interview. It was a mistaken text that was uh, meant for uh, another Pat's uh, former assistant, Brian uh, Dayball, uh, who was the Bills offensive coordinator who did get the job. A couple of other allegations which uh, caught my eye. Um, 
one, he alleged that uh, he was asked to tank in the first season as a Dolphins head coach by owner Stephen Ross and was offered $100,000 uh, per loss that um, he rejected. That's gonna, that could open up a whole other can of worms. And then we had Hugh Jackson pretty much say that the uh, Browns were giving out bonuses or offering bonuses to do the same thing um, in 2016 and 17. And also um, the sham interview allegation where there's just a interview of a black head coach to satisfy the Rooney rule, which now requires two um, African-American head coaches, uh, candidates, I should say, um, for any opening. Um, that's something which been going on for a long time. Um, he said that uh, Joe Ellis and John Elway um, looked like them out the night before. Um, drinking and showed up completely disheveled and late for his interview. Uh, not surprisingly and predictably, um, the teams he specifically mentioned have pushed back against the allegations, and the NFL uh, caught Flores' claims without merit. Now, what did you expect them to do? Ah, you got me, smoking gun. You're right. No. I'm not going to be surprised that you're going to see Stuff coming out negative, negatively, negative information about Flores, his coaching ability, and his work ethic. That's probably going to be coming down the pipe soon. And I'm expecting the NFL to put up a vigorous fight. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, as I said, this is the nuclear option. And giving the lack of hiring, and some of the statistics are, are pretty damning, it's uh, not a surprise that we, we had this type of uh, lawsuit because if you look at some of the statistics, uh, 2021 season, you had four black offensive coordinators, 11 uh, defensive coordinators, that's 34%. Three of the 32 teams had black uh, quarterback coach. So if you don't have black offensive coordinators or black quarterback coaches – then you don't have a sufficient number of people in the pipeline uh, from that capacity. Now, I'm curious to see how much public support that uh, Flores is going to get as opposed to private support. It's going to be very easy for black uh, head coaches, general managers, to support him privately. Publicly, different story. I want to see how many other people join the lawsuit. Now, the Fritz Pollard Alliance... Uh, which promotes the advancement of minority candidates, has come out and publicly supported Flores. I think that Flores were a white guy to already have another head coaching job because um, he's first Dolphins head coach since uh, Dave wants that in the 2002 and 2003 seasons to have consecutive winning seasons. Um, last two seasons, Flores 10-6, and six, then 9-8, and eight, get off to a horrible start this year. And, so he's 19-14 over the uh, past two seasons. Uh, one thing we have seen this year, which to me is more important than having black head coaches, is having black people in position of power. We've had two black GMs hired, Quise uh, Adolfo uh, Mensa of Minnesota Vikings and Ryan Poles of the uh, Chicago Bears. Now, um, the Bears went out and hired a first-time head coach, Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, 
and Jim Harbaugh is considered to be a favorite for the uh, Minnesota job. Now, we didn't, we haven't seen yet one of the two new black GM hires hire a black head coach. Now, if they went out the box and did that, I think there would be mainstream criticism uh, of hiring a black head coach. Could be wrong about that, and I'm going to make an analogy um, of what I think might happen. Uh, there would be certain segments of the society who, just like with Joe Biden pledging to have a black, put a black woman on the Supreme Court, uh, calling that woman, whoever she may be, unqualified, that would happen here. And if you look at it from the Supreme Court aspect, this is what I find <laughs> curious to me. That same segment of society had no problem with Donald Trump signaling he's going to put a woman on the Supreme Court to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg and she passed away. Um, they were praising that particular pick. And the woman who replaced uh, Bader Ginsburg, Amy Comey Barrett, is the most inexperienced Supreme Court nominee in modern history because she spent most of her personal life in academia. So hopefully I, if with and when a black, head, a black general manager, a new one hires a black uh, head coach, hopefully I'm wrong about that now. One thing I didn't realize from reading the lawsuit is that since the Rooney Rule was instituted, that we've had 15 black head coaches in 20 years. That's abysmal. The fact that we even needed a Rooney Rule to begin with, that's sad as well. Well, to me, the NFL, at least the modern NFL, has lagged behind other other uh, major professional sports in, in this regard. Um, I'm not talking about Fritz Pollard being a head coach back in the early 1920s. I'm talking about after the color, after black people were denied playing in the NFL and then the color barrier was broken in, in I think, 1946, um, that NFL. Um, In 1975, we, in the NBA, we had two black head coaches as coaching in the NBA Finals. For the then Washington Bullets, now Wizards, K.C. Jones. For the Golden State Warriors, Al Adels. We didn't see that in the NFL until 2006. Till um, Tony Dungy of the Colts and Lovey Smith of the Chicago Bears. The first uh, black head coach was in 1989, Art of the Raiders. 60s, you had Bill Russell be a player head coach and win championships with the Boston Celtics. He replaced Red Auerbach. He was a player coach. First black manager, Frank Robinson in 1975 with the Cleveland Indians. Um, And speaking of Tony Dungy, pre-Rooney rule, he had a long wait to become a head coach. He spent 15 years as an assistant. In the early 90s, he was a defensive coordinator of the uh, very good, one of the best uh, defenses in the NFL for the Minnesota Vikings. Didn't get a head coaching job until 1996 with Tampa Bay. And I remember that there were criticisms about him not getting a head coaching job. What does he have to do? Then it would be leaked he's a bad interviewer. He's too soft-spoken He to be a head coach. Uh, Tony Dungy is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a head coach. One thing I do know is you aren't going to see 
a journeyman black quarterback first. There aren't many black journeymen. I mean, excuse me, journeyman black quarterbacks. There aren't many of them to begin with. <laughs> it's kind of an oxymoron. Um, get the Josh McCown treatment. Josh McCown looks like he could be the next Houston Texas head coach. Houston Texans head coach. He may turn out to be a great head coach. But Josh McCown has zero coaching experience at the collegiate or professional level. When you think when you say journeyman black quarterback, the guy that comes to mind to me is Josh Johnson because he's kind of bounced around <laughs> everywhere. If and he's I think he's 35 now. When he hangs up his career, nobody's going to immediately put him in the pipeline and make him put him on the fast track to be a head coach. That doesn't happen to black people. Another thing doesn't happen to black people. The Cliff Kingsbury treatment. Cliff Kingsbury fails forward. Texas Tech, he was losing. Three straight losing seasons before he got fired. 35-40 and 40 record overall. Then he immediately becomes the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Not going to happen to a black man. I don't see anybody beating down the door to, to uh, give the keys to the kingdom to Reggie Barlow. I'm sure like, who the hell is Reggie Barlow? Oh, Reggie Barlow, eh, full disclosure, um, was a client of mine. Played eight years in the NFL as a wide receiver. Uh, then went back, back to his alma mater. Uh, became the quarterback's coach at, at Alabama State back in 2005. The late Tavares Jackson became a second-round pick under his tutelage. He's been a head coach at HBCUs for the past 12 years. 83-58 and 58 record as a head coach. If he wants to make the transition from the collegiate ranks to the NFL, probably got to be a receivers coach. And then hopefully uh, try to work his way up. Uh, the NFL ranks. That's just the reality of how it works. Black head coaches versus white head coaches, at least in my opinion. Um, and this kind of mirrors general life. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Sometimes I, sometimes I think I'd rather be a well-connected idiot than a brilliant person or a genius who doesn't know anybody. The well-connected idiot is always going to get a job. Curious to see uh, where this thing goes and um, what actually happens. I'll be shocked if Brian Flores gets a head coaching job from the two teams that still view him as a candidate. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> That would be an easy solution, and um, I'm not really anticipating there being more than one uh, blackhead coach um, at the end of this hiring cycle. So something I tweeted a couple of weeks may actually come to fruition. I said that uh, the Houston Texans replacing David Culley with Josh McCown and Mike Tomlin being the NFL's only blackhead coach at the NFL hiring cycle wouldn't surprise me. I would love to be wrong about that. <laughs> so um, we'll see. So what does... um. Brian Flores want one. He wants economic damages, and he wants um, punitive damages. He also laid out um, some specific remedies that he wanted, which would be um, injunctive relief. Um, the five points he wanted to see specifically addressed: increase the influence of black individuals in the hiring and termination decisions for GMs, head coaches, and coordinators; 
increase the objectivity of hiring and termination decisions for black GMs, head coaches, and coordinators, increase the number of black coordinators, incentivize the hiring and retention of black head coaches, GMs, and coordinators through compensation, complete transparency, transparency with the respect to pay for all GMs, head coaches, and coordinators. Now, it's a shame that we're at the point where we have to have a lawsuit, but that may be the only thing which brings about change. He may be the change agent, and his career is sacrificed. I really hope he's got his uh, I's dotted and T's crossed, because if what he's saying has holes in it, it's going to do more harm than good, in my opinion. be interesting to see if the NFL wants to settle and whether he wants to settle or he wants to take this thing to the fullest extent because monetary damages aren't really what he's looking for. He's looking to bring about a ch- bring about change. This is going to be an ongoing story and is not going away anytime soon. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now on to Tom Brady. Um, ESPN kind of stole Tom Brady's thunder about his career decision on Saturday when it was leaked that um, he was going to retire. Um, then there were some pushback where he called the Bucks, tell them I've made a decision. His agent puts out a statement that there's no decision yet. Tuesday formally announced uh, his retirement. It's actually a little bit of surprise, and we sh- everyone got a hint that it could be coming because Tom Brady was noncommittal after divisional playoff loss to the uh, Rams about playing next season. He's been saying for the past several years that he could play until he was at least 45. When he was in his late 30s, people thought he was crazy because he hadn't seen a quarterback play at an extremely high level into his mid-40s, and everyone just assumed Tom Brady was going to crash and burn like everybody else. That didn't happen. Tom Brady had MVP caliber season this year. I expect Aaron Rodgers is going to be named MVP, and Brady is going to end up second in the voting. Um, led the uh, league in passing yards, had a career high of 5,316 yards, and also led in touchdown passes of 43. So people really thinking Brady would fulfill his uh, long-stated goal to play till his 45. Um, last Monday, um, the day after the loss on his Let's Go podcast, he said it's not necessarily what he wants, but what uh, we want as a family. And in character, he used the word satisfied to describe the uh, Buccaneers' accomplishments this year. Those aren't Brady-like 
words for somebody who's going to keep playing. Because normally you'd ask Tom Brady, he'd unequivocally go, you know what, I'm back for next year. Now, what does this do for um, Tampa Bay cap-wise? First of all, Tom Brady signed an extension um, last year to free up 19.3 million in cap space so they could keep the band together and try to make another run at a Super Bowl. The extension added three voiding dummy years, 23 through 2025. So you could prorate his um, fully guaranteed fifth day league year roster bonus over the five years and his $20 million signing bonus over five years instead of just two. His he made it's a one year extension for just under twenty eight million. Now, with respect to the roster bonus, um Tampa Bay didn't have any rights to that because uh he'd have to have some sort of breach or default in the year the roster bonus was earned twenty twenty one. Now, signing bonus, that's a different question. Um Tampa Bay can't have rights back to the signing bonus. And then the way the signing bonus payment was structured, $15 million of it is due on or before February 4th. That's Friday. So technically he's owed that money. <laughs> um, he got $5 million um, last March 31st. Technically he is owed that money. <laughs> and then Tampa Bay theoretically could ask for it back or they could withhold withhold the payment um, because the typical forfeiture provisions which apply to practically any signing bonus are in Brady's contract and Tampa also has the right to uh, that he that it's agreed and understood that players waiver rights to certain unpaid amounts and players' obligations to repay certain amounts of the signing bonus are expressed provisions of this contract, and but for the provisions contained herein, the contract would not have been executed. Player hereby expressly authorizes club in its sole discretion to deduct and set off at any time from time to time any or all part of sums old to player firm club for any current or deferred future wages, bonuses, performance-based pay, postseason pay, severance pay, ter- uh, termination pay, uh, it has a laundry list of stuff. Recovery of any forfeit amount will be made in accordance with the applicable provisions of Article 4, Section 9 of the Collective Bargaining Agreement. That's typically in every signing bonus, or some variation of that is in any signing bonus. Now, how is this uh, going to affect uh, Tampa Bay's uh, cap? Well, Brady was scheduled to make uh, $10,395,588 in 2022, I'm not talking about the deferred signing bonus payment, on a $20,270,588 cap number. Um, he's going to have his $8.925 million base salary. It's guaranteed for injury. It's scheduled to become fully guaranteed on the fifth day of the waiver period, February 18th. And there's a $1,470,588 17th game roster bonus. Now, Guarantee voids with retirement, so you don't have to worry about that becoming guaranteed. Now, the thing is, I don't know how this $15 million gets treated if they don't pay it. <laughs> because uh, Saturday when the announcement or the news leaked the retirement, I consulted some some of my most trusted sources that 
worked for teams, they weren't exactly sure how it'd be treated by the league if they withheld the payment. Because their consensus was he's entitled to the payment, and then if they wanted to exercise their rights to recapture or recoup money, they could. If they thought that Tampa could withhold the payment, they weren't sure if they'd get a, a huge cap credit all this year in 2022 of the $15 million or it would be a 2023 cap credit. So there's a gray area. It depends on how the league would treat that uh, $15 million. So we don't know definitively how it will work, depending upon what Tampa does with the $15 million. So let's go over what would be the traditional case, where they pay the money, and then there's an obligation, then they have the right to get it back. So... If you put Brady on the uh, reserve retired list um, immediately, Tampa can't do that because where they are cap-wise. According to NFL PA data um, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, they got 46 players under contract. This is with NFL PA website list. Um, 189.992 million in 22 cap commitments. uh, That a little over 1.425 million of cap space to carry over to a 2022 league year. The top 51 salaries count against the cap in the offseason. So once you got five more players to fill out the top 20, top 51, that would put Tampa at about $15.5 million under what's going to be the expected salary cap of $208.2 million, which is the ceiling the NFL and NFLPA agreed to last May. So you got $15.5 million of cap space and you've got from the signing bonus and the uh, roster bonus, you got $40 million that's prorated from 2021 to 2025. You got $32 million of proration. So you can't handle $32 million of proration hitting the cap now <laughs> with a retirement where they process it before June 2nd. Because you do that, you're going to lose too much cap space <laughs> to do that. Because <laughs> if you got Brady at uh, $20.3 million of a of a cap hit, <laughs> and you've got $32 million of dead money uh, coming in, math-wise, that just doesn't work. <laughs> Because you're going to lose $11,721,412 of cap space. And if you've only got $15 million that's gonna, uh, of cap space, you're basically going to lose most of your cap space. You're going you're gonna to be less than $4 million under the cap. Not going to happen. So what can Tampa Bay do in this instance? Well, we saw what happened with um, Drew Brees last year. Saints had about an overage of $110 million uh, this time last year. Had to shave that to get off the cap. Did that. One of the things they did do in the Buccaneers could take a page out of the Drew Drew Brees retirement book when he announced his um, retirement last February. I mean, last March. In late February, they reduced his $25 million 2021 base salary to $1.075 million. That's his league minimum base salary. So they could pick up $23.925 million cap space immediately. They carried him on the roster to June 11th, 
and that prevented $11.5 million in bonus proration from Breeze's 22 and 2023 cap years from becoming a 2021 cap charge. This um, $11.5 million is 2022 dead money, salary cap charge for a player no longer on the roster. Now, what Brady could do is work with Tampa, drop his league minimum base salary to one, drop his base out to his league minimum of $1.12 million, eliminate the roster bonus and the $1.875 million of incentives that are classified as likely to be earned, and counting on the cap. Tampa would get $11,150,588 of immediate cap relief. Then, after June 1, June 2nd, or whenever, they could place him on the reserve retired list, He'd get an additional. They'd get an additional 1.12 million of cap room um, from his base salary being um, coming off the books. There'd be an eight million dollar cap charge of dead money in 2022, and then Tampa would have a 24 million dollar cap hit in 2023, uh, assuming the 15 million dollar payment isn't withheld. That's how I, that's the route I expect Tampa to go um, with Brady. Now, are they going to give him a $16 million parting gift? Because they'd be entitled to $16 million back of the signing bonus because you have four years of what would be considered unearned signing bonus from the proration of 2022, 2023, 2024, and 2025. Now, teams vary in how they handle a bonus recapture. That, that's the reason Calvin Johnson and the Lions aren't on good terms. When he retired in 2016, they asked for $1.6 million back from him. Um, the 49ers asked for money back when people retire. Had a really good linebacker a few years ago. Third-round pick Chris Borland came in, had concussions, retired after one year. They got three-quarters of his signing bonus back because after four-year rookie deal made him pay it back, three-quarters of it. Um, when Patrick Willis retired, in 2015, Willis' Hall of Fame Finals this year, he had to give an undisclosed sum of money back. The Seattle Seahawks didn't ask for money back with Marshawn Lynch with his initial retirement in 2016. And Lynch had signed an extension he never played under in 2015 for $7.5 million signing bonus. Now, foregoing the $16 million would be a small price to, for Tampa to pay considering after signing him, they ended a 13-year playoff drought. He got their second Super Bowl win in franchise history. Both those things coincide with his arrival. Now, the average fan is going to be like, for Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, I'm like, screw that. Let's get the $16 million of cap space back. It wouldn't be a lump sum if we're talking this way under the collective bargain, bargaining agreement rules. The way the collective bargaining agreement Works. Brady would only be retired to repay $4 million by June 1st in each respective year. And you don't get a cap credit when you ask to recoup money until the money's actually received. So when each June 1 came up in those years, Brady had to pay back $4 million and, and the Bucks would get the, cap, get the $4 million cap credit at that time. Now, what I don't know is with the $15 million, if they withhold it, how that's going to work. 
since you're getting all the cash and since money not paid and it's cash realized now, I suspect that you might get better treatment than how it is in the CBA under the letter of CBA of how it conventionally would work. Now, what would really be fair to me is Brady only added the three dummy voiding years because he was trying to help out the Bucks on the cap to lower the 2021 cap number so they could re-sign players. So really, it's supposed to be a two-year extension. So absent the voiding dummy years, the proration would have been $10 million for 2021, $10 million for 2022. So really, Tampa shouldn't be entitled to more than $10 million money. That would be fair to me. They gave him the $16 million back. That'd be fine, too. Wouldn't let him or let him keep it. Paid it. Didn't ask for anything back. One way to avoid all this is you have no rights to money if you cut somebody instead of putting them on the reserve retired list. So come, and I'm assuming they're going to take the Drew Brees approach. So let's say June 2nd, if they cut him, non-issue, they wouldn't be entitled to anything if they'd made the payment of the $15 million. I don't know if Brady would process retirement papers fast enough so there wouldn't be a payment obligation. Uh, we'll see. Uh, one thing we do know is that Tampa's got a ton of free agents this year. They got 23 unrestricted free agents, some very important players, Carlton Davis, who might get a franchise tag, Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, center Ryan Jensen, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Dominican Sue. They're all unrestricted free agents. Gronkowski only came out of retirement because Tom Brady coached him out of retirement. We'll see if he goes back into retirement. Tampa said they want him back. Leonard Fournette says he took significantly less money to come back to Tampa on a one-year deal for $3 million, maxed out of some incentives. Uh, He played well enough this year. He was on the verge of 1,000 yards before he got hurt, would have a 1,000-yard season, was leading the NFL running backs and receptions when he got hurt, hurt his hamstring late in the year. He's probably a guy that should look to get his one cash grab. Chris Godwin played under the franchise tag last year, um, had an ACL tear late in the year, probably not going to get another franchise tag. They want him back. The knee injury I don't think is going to hurt him, if anything – It'll affect the contract structurally. If I'm him, I'm asked for $20 million per year. If you pay him that, you got a Mike Evans problem because he signed a deal like four years ago, averaging a little over $16 million per year. Then you're probably going to have to contend with that, him being unhappy. Ryan Jensen, when he got to Tampa, became the highest-paid center in the league. Some people thought he played better than any center uh, this year. He's probably going to think he should be right up there at the top of the center market which is $13.5 million per year. Frank Ragnow, Corey Lindsley had become the highest-paid center in free agency at $12.5 million, and that didn't last long. So Tampa's got that to contend with. And then who's going to be the quarterback to replace Tom Brady? If you've got this type of cap dynamic and you're talking about trying to get a quarterback through trade, that gets difficult. One, you got a couple of quarterbacks who would need to waive no trade clauses, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. You need $35 million of cap space for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you can 
restructure contracts to get there. But given everything Tampa has to do, good luck with that. Russell Wilson's under contract for $50 million for two years. He's got a $5 million fifth day of the league year roster bonus. So if he's going to force a trade, it's probably going to be early, sooner rather than later. Because once Seattle pays a $5 million, they're going to want an arm and a leg for him anyway. And Saint, we know um, the Texans want three firsts and two seconds for the equivalent for Deshaun Watson. Tampa's going to I mean Seattle's going to want a lot for Russell Wilson. Um, you got to have $24 million. You got to have to be able to accommodate his $24 million he's supposed to make. Goes down to 19 if the uh, roster bonus is a Seattle payment obligation. And there's Aaron Rodgers. 22 is his contract year. We don't know whether he wants to stay in Green Bay or he's going to force his way out. Denver's someplace he supposedly wanted to go last year. You're going to need almost $27.5 million of cap space to accommodate um, Rodgers. Then there's Jimmy Garoppolo, who expects to be traded in the final year of his contract. He's making $25.6 million this year. Different type of compensation you would need a draft capital to give up for um, Jimmy Garoppolo. Still $25.6 million to absorb his final year of his contract. And then Derek Carr, we'll see how the new regime with the Raiders, with the New England Connections, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniel, feel about Carr, but he's making just under 19.9 in his contract year. So those would be the trade candidates who are going to be mentioned most often. You got Kyle Trask, who you drafted in the second round um, in the 2021 draft. Bruce Arians has an affinity for playing Gabbert, who's an unrestricted free agent, but he's not a long-term answer to be a starting quarterback. And then you could go into the free agent market, but not a great group. You got former first-round picks who were backups like Marcus Mariota and Mitchell Trubisky, who could be short-term answers. Or, I got it, (laughs) let's have a reunion. (laughs) Let's bring back good old Jameis Winston. Well, one thing that happened this year of Jameis Winston before he tore the ACL on his left knee in the Saints' seventh game of the season, he kind of learned to take what a defense has given him as opposed to what you saw in Tampa in that last year. Jameis Winston, 2019, the reason he went out and got Tom Brady, played NFL with 5,109 passing yards, became the first player in NFL history to have 30 interceptions and 30 touchdown passes in the same year. 33 touchdown passes, 30 interceptions. So the old Jameis, some of the old Jameis uh, tendencies, Sean Payton was able to coax out of him. So let's just bring Jameis back. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something? But (laughs) it'll be interesting to see where um, Tampa goes for a quarterback. But one thing we do know, is the NFC South is going to be wide open for 2022. Sean Payton's no longer the coach for the Saints. We don't know who that coach is going to be. We don't know what he's going to like as a quarterback. Uh, you have an aging Matt Ryan um, with the Falcons. The Carolina Panthers are in disarray. They don't have a quarterback. Sam Darnold, they picked up the fifth-year option when they traded for him. Um, right now, he would be the starter. Um, Matt Rule's on the hot seat. Um, better win this year in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So 
it's going to be one of the weaker divisions in football. People talk about the NFC East being weak, but you had the Dallas Cowboys, who are a legitimate ball club and should be next year. The Eagles were a surprising playoff team because of a weak schedule. But this division, the NFC South, is going to look worse than, in my opinion, what the NFC East uh, could be next year. But anyway, that's uh, this week's uh, Inside the Cap. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And at my CBSSports.com agent's take, so please check that out. And thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next time. Goodbye. <laughs>